an original presentation from America's premier audio theater group, Seeing Ear Theater. strange pastimes, mindless pastimes. Some of the boys play poker. Me? I climb Mount Lasso and stack pebbles. One pebble for each B-29 takeoff until I make a cairn for each mission. My largest cairn has 400 stones in it. Trust me, it beats poker. 509 mission ready this first test flight. Ready control. Strike main primary team secured. Roger. Colonel Tibbetts, what is the name of your bird? The Enola Game. Roger that, Tibbetts. You are free on runway Baker. What the world doesn't know, can't know, is that after this test flight, the Enola Gay is going to drop one hell of a gimmick on Japan. I call it a gimmick because the word bomb would be too nice for this latest achievement in technology. The mission is classified, and we haven't been told too much about it. Whatever type of bomb it is, that gimmick's not natural. It's a chemical bomb of some sort, but I don't know more than that. What I do know is that I should be the bomber in the Enola Gay right now, and thanks to Colonel Tibbetts, I'm not. The flare is away, gentlemen. You are set. Roger, Joe. Thank you. I guess that's one more stone for the Karen. Shot. Jim Fitch is a bulky pig-eyed thug. He's our pilot. He and the rest of the men of the Lucky Strike, that's the name of our B-29, came up to Mount Lasso to watch the takeoff. We'd all rather be primary team. I can see the look in the boys as they watch the B-29 taxi on the runway. I wander down and take hold of the flask that Fitch is offering. Practicing your bombing up there, eh, Professor? Yeah. Anyone who reads more than the funnies is Professor to Fitch. That's why he's the best. Always practicing. Lieutenant Matthews, he's the best because I make him be the best. Isn't that right, Professor? It has nothing to do with you, Fitch. I'm the best because I want it that way. I work my ass off for it. I frown and walk over to get a better look at Baker Runway. I play with a smooth pebble in my hand. Our navigator, Matthews, is a nice, honest-faced kid. Not like Fitch or Haddock. Should have been us up there, guys. Nah, Tibbetts plays his favorites, you know that. He convinced General LeMay to let his crew take her up. Hey, hey, you watch your mouth. 
Tibbetts don't play favorites. If Tibbetts doesn't play favorites, then why isn't January there? You know he's the best bombardier in the 509th. You can't argue that. I should be the one to drop it. Should be me in the nose, not Farabee. I can see the other bombardier in the nose of the Enola Gay. It's not fair, but then, whatever is in war. I angle a rock over an ant on the ground and drop it, crushing the bugger. Will you cut that out? I swear, you must hang from the ceiling while you take your shit so you can practice aiming for the toilet. (laughs) (laughs) Don't I bunk over you? (laughs) They're going. That guy sure is a looker. Hey, Haddock, what do you think Tippett's will do to the general's man on board the test flight? He'll kill an engine at takeoff. I bet you anything. He'll want to show it he wouldn't go down if it happened to him. Of course he wouldn't. You hope. They let those red engines out of the factory too soon. They didn't do enough tests on them. They keep busting under the takeoff load. Won't matter to the old bull. Look! Yeah, Timmons can fly loops around anyone else. He has the stuff. Yeah, I told you he'd do it. He's cut number three, too. Holy <laughs> smoke! Ain't that old bull something? Oh, by God, the general's man is going to remember this flight. <laughs> oh, look at that. He's banking. How's he gonna manage with only one engine? Suddenly, it's no laughing matter, and I'm up there with Farabee, the bombardier. I can see it in my mind. The view over the pilot's shoulders. I can hear the confusion and shouting. Pull her up! I'm trying. The two right props spin, blur to a shimmer. They need more lift. Tibbetts tries to pull it over the island. In my mind, I was up there with the crew. Right up to the end, I heard their desperate shouts, saw the last green rush of trees through the windshield, and I was stunned by the dentist drill all over pain of the impact. No, I have to shake out of it, have to get there in case anyone had managed to survive the impact. Come on! There was no poker tonight, no stacking stones either. The others are talking among themselves in hushed voices. I don't know. Who do you think they're going to get to fly the plane? Maybe if we talk to the colonel. Me, I'm standing in the door of this godforsaken Quonset barracks with corrugated steel sides and roof, listening to the jungle breathe. I'm trying not to listen to the guys, but I can't help it. January is the best bombardier left, and I'm as good as Lewis was. He's yeah, but so Sweeney, and he's in with Scholz. They're figuring out who will take over the strike, now that Tibbetts and the rest are a good 12 hours dead. Jockeying for position, lobbying for a chance to get in on the action. I grab a shirt, despite the heat, and head out of the barracks. Hey, hey, Professor, where are you going? Out. It's midnight, but still sweltering. I light a cigarette, watch the dark MPs patrolling our fenced-in compound. The MPs, they're like armbands in the 509th. (laughs) We're prisoners in our own army. Fitch, Matthews, Haddock, just kids. Their minds have been shaped by this war. 
They learn real fast what happens to guys who mourn the dead too long. You can't carry a load like that around with you, or your own engines might fail. I suppose it's natural, natural if you're a kid with a mind shaped by fanatics like Tibbetts. But I'm not a kid, and Tibbetts never cracked my mind. And that gimmick's not natural. But it looks like Fitch is right. I am the best. And I was before Tibbetts got me kicked out of the running. I got a record of pinpoint accuracy in the runs over the Salton Sea to prove it. Proof that I'm good and proof of my contempt for Tibbetts' favorites. Well, it's a moot point now. Tibbetts is dead. And Fitch is right. As much as I don't want to admit it, the kid's right. Hey, you. Oh. Hey. Just taking a break. Yeah. Listen, if today hit a little too close to home and all, you know, what happened to Audrey in London? Nah, you worry too much. I'm hot and it stinks in there. Bitch needs a dunk and some soap. Hey, you bring me anything, Professor? Nope. Hey, uh, what are you reading now? Let me see. Winter's Tales by Isaac Denison. No big text and pictures for you. Pretty racy, eh? You bet. This guy put sex on every page. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I climb up into my bunk to get lost in the book. Ever since I was a kid, I could open up the cover of a book and forget about things around me. But not tonight, despite my best intentions. Bright and early the next morning, Colonel Scholes, Tibbet's superior, comes knocking at our door. I see him, and immediately I know why he's here, though the others only suspect it. Briefing at 11. Be there early. Fitz, January Matthews, come with me. I've spent most of the night on the radio with General LeMay. We've decided you're to be the first crew to make the strike. Think you can do it? Of course. Yes, sir. Sure. Okay. The gun will be flying with you as co-pilot. See you at the briefing. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. My heart's pounding on my sternum, but I make sure not to stick out. When the colonel's out of sight, Fitch and Matthews let loose. Yeah! We did it! Yeah, not too bad. I don't know about McDonald, though. Hey, don't worry about it. You're in! <laughs> we did it! Somebody did it, anyway. Ah, uh, Frank, show some spunk. You're always so cool. Yeah, old Professor Stone Face. Come on, let's get to the briefing. Inside one of the larger Quonset huts, men are packed together for a briefing. Let's sit near the front. I want a good look. Think it's smoky enough in here? I can barely make out the blackboards. Is that a map of Japan or the latest centerfold of a girly magazine on the wall? <laughs> so look, there's Brown Noser Captain Shepard. Who? You know, the naval officer who worked with the scientists on the gimmick. 
Where's his lackey? Lieutenant Stone. Ah, there. Hope he winds that reel of film onto the projector the right way. Don't you know they get special training for that in the science division? <laughs> I sit down, trying to ignore Fitch and his usual run-of-the-mouth crap. Why is Dr. Nelson here? He's watching us, like a good psychiatrist. We're lab rats. I slide along the bench until I reach the others. Fitch leans in. Hey, there's the Brits we outclassed. They were supposed to fly the gadget, but look at them now. i never seen a Brit look so furious. Light them up, boys. Fitch and the rest pull out their lucky strikes and light up. I'm the only one in the pack who still smokes camels. Here's to the lucky strike. <laughs> they named our B-29 the lucky strike, so now the boys all smoke them. They think it's the greatest idea since bubbles. Men, these are the target cities. In order of priority, they are Hiroshima, Kokura, and Nagasaki. There will be three weather scouts straight flush to Hiroshima, strange cargo to Kokura, and full house to Nagasaki. Great artiste, and number 91, will be accompanying the mission to take photos, and Lucky Strike will fly the bomb. All right, now listen up. The weapon we're going to deliver was successfully tested stateside a couple of weeks ago, and now we've got orders to drop it on the enemy. I'll let Captain Shepard tell you more. Shepard's usual swagger doesn't make up for his forehead, which is covered in sweat. It's shiny, and his eyes are bright with excitement. Or maybe nervousness. I take a glance over at the psychiatrist to see what he makes of it. But Dr. Nelson's face is completely impassive. Gentlemen, I'm going to come right to the point. The bomb you're going to drop is something new in history. We think it'll knock out everything within four miles. The room's so still, I can't even hear anyone breathing, including myself. That's because I'm holding my breath and feeling sick. That reeling kind of sickness where you can see too much of your eyes, nose, and cheeks, like you're receding into your body, like a fox into a hole. I watch Shepard because I can't take my eyes off him. Now, as soon as we get this screen set up again, then... Ah, good. <clears throat> Now, I'm going to show you a film of the only test we've made. Stone, go ahead and start the film. All right. Now you'll see this dead gray landscape, a lot of sky, smooth desert floor, and, and those hills in the distance. The bomb is on top of the tower. It's a good eight or ten miles away from the camera. Shepard points to a pin-like object. His shadow makes a large devilish figure against the bleak landscape. He's right about the distance. I had it calculated before he even pointed it out. I'm good at distances. It's part of my job. I'm still squinting to see this pin-like tower. When the screen goes white for a second, it even brightens the room and we all have to squint till it's over. The picture returns to normal after a few seconds. And then the desert floor is filled with a bloom of fire. The fireball coalesces, and then it leaps off the earth all the way into the stratosphere. God, 
like a tracer bullet leaving a machine gun, trailing a whitish pillar of smoke behind it. As a creature of habit, I immediately calculate the size of that cloud. No way. Did you see how huge that thing is? It can't be that big. I've got it wrong. Tell me I got it wrong. There's no way. I don't know, January. Damn, that thing's huge. The picture flickers. The screen goes white again, as if the camera's melted, or that part of the world's come apart. But it's just the end of the film. The projector's already stopped. The air's sucking in and out of my mouth like I'm a fish yanked out of water. The lights come on. That's. I glance around and see the other guys just like me, faces bloodless, eyes blinking, mouths either open in shock or squeezed shut with fear. I looked at the psychiatrist again, sitting up there completely undisturbed. We were all letting it out now. Damn, would you Woo. look at that? <laughs> Never seen something else. <laughs> Oh, it's big, all right. And no one knows what'll happen when it's dropped from the air. But that mushroom cloud you just saw will go at least 30,000 feet and probably 60. And the flash you saw at the beginning was hotter than the sun. Hotter than the sun. I was right about the cloud's height, too. I spent my life priding myself on my accuracy. But I didn't want to be that accurate. Not with this. Not at all. Officer Smith is passing out your tinted goggles. Now you want to set the opacity dials and get them adjusted for the flight. They will protect your eyes from the glare. Without them, you risk permanent blindness. The goggles get passed down to me, and I take a pair in my hand. They're like welder's glasses. I twiddle with the dial. You're the hottest thing in the armed forces now, so no talking, even among yourselves. Let's do it the way Colonel Tibbets would have wanted us to. He handpicked every one of you because you're the best. And now's the time to show he was right, so... So let's make the old man proud. All right, briefing's over. Pitch, January. Yes, sir. Stone and I will be flying with you to take care of the bomb. All right. You know how many strikes we'll fly before we drop? As many as it takes. But it'll only take one. Isn't that right, January? Yes, sir. No, 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 I haven't. No, no, Where am I? There, there are walls of fire. My head hurts. I can't make much out. It, it's as if God's camera went off in my face, leaving a blue-white blur. Like the sun swooped down and touched the ground. Help me. Help. Help us. Please, Father. They're all following me. They're burnt, charred, and black. There's only one who can speak. I, I, I can barely hear them. I, I try to point to my ears. I try to touch them, but I, I can't. I can't touch my own ears. But he seems to call me father. That's the only word I can make out. I, I feel the collar at my neck. 
priest collar and it's hot and black and clinging, I find shade under a tree. I tell everyone to rest. I'm resting, trying to find a way to save the huddled masses of charred bodies following, pressing against me. The fear is trying to run over top of me. It's a park. The empty tree shades my skin where the black garment has burnt into my flesh. And around me, people crouch under bushes like wild animals, frightened at any sound, but they stare at me. When I move, they move with me. They follow me. I walk on, stumbling, until I come to a riverbed at the far end of the park. I gesture for them to quench their burning bodies in the river. Red and black figures, burnt and blistered, are crowding into the water. But the water is steaming, and it does no good. I hear something. I see a finger gesturing at me from a cups of bamboo. I stumble closer and... Water. I need water. They're faceless. Their eyes have melted. Their mouths are holes. I can barely make out what they're trying to say to me. One minds drinking. They're half dead. Their flesh is falling off and yet they are thirsty. I'll get you some water. Go to the river in search of a bucket. I have to help them. I can't leave them like this. I search for a bucket, but I cannot see. I stumble over bodies. I fall against burnt flesh, and I realize I'm in the river. It's boiling. The river is filled with bodies, filled with bodies. The river is filled. The river is filled with bodies, with bodies, bodies, burnt bodies. I'm in my bunk, trenched in rank sweat. Got the taste of dirt in my mouth. My stomach feels like a knot of horror and my heart's crushed between my lungs. I can't breathe. January? You up? Yeah. God, it stinks. Ah, It stinks like the rotting flowers in here. Rotting like the bodies in the, the river. The... What? What river? Uh... It was it was a dream. Go back to sleep. I grab my cigarettes and hop off the bunk, getting out into the compound for some air. I can't risk talking out loud in front of the other guys or dreaming in there either, like like this. I gotta pull myself together. God, my hands are, are shaking. I, I gotta relax. It's the middle of the night. No one's awake. I, I got time to relax. Get hold of yourself, Jesus. Yeah, what if, what if Dr. Nelson saw you like this? Nelson. No, no, Nelson is asleep. Damn psychiatrists, they're all asleep. That really is the point, isn't it? So when did I finally wake up and start thinking about what was going on around me? Audrey. I woke up the day Audrey's flat was bombed. I brought you these. Ah, cornflowers are my very favorite. How did you know? I overheard you talking to Cecilia the other day. Clever Frank, always eavesdropping. <laughs> Not that I mind at all. How is the war today? Oh, we have so many good men wounded. It's getting worse out there. You know, 
When I went into medical training, I thought I'd be able to help people. I wanted to make a difference. Today, I couldn't even help one man. I disagree. You're helping this one. You know, I've been wondering what you'll do after the war. Sometimes I think you'd be a poet or a writer. I'd like to think that maybe I'd be married after the war. Is that a hint? Would you like it to be? <laughs> That is a yes. I'd better put these flowers in some water. I have the perfect vase. <laughs> They are lovely. I'm putting them on the table where I can wake up to them every morning. It will remind me of you. <laughs> Tell me, how was your day? I have some bad news. I've been given leave, and I know you won't get yours right away. So, I wanted to let you know I'm heading back to Vicksburg. My parents need some help. They're getting old, but I don't want you to think that I'm cutting out on me. Something like that, yes. Don't be foolish. <laughs> When I phoned your parents on holiday, they were the nicest people I've ever met. They make my parents look positively dreadful. <laughs> Go help them and say hello for me. I'll see you in two weeks. Here, take these keys to the flat for when you return. I took the spare keys to her flat and gave her a kiss on the forehead, a gentle reminder that I'd be back in two weeks. I held onto the keys like they were a token of the future. They were always in my breast pocket. As long as they were with me, I knew I was coming back to something good. There wouldn't be time for a return, and there would never be another opportunity for us again. Cadre's flat was destroyed the first time the Germans bombed London. Completely left. She wasn't working when it happened. No, I imagine she was inside listening to her radio. That's the day I woke up. I didn't even have time to grieve. News came right after the flat's destruction that I was going to be transferred to a very hot assignment on Tinian Island. Even if the Nazis had missed Audrey's flat, even if she'd managed to survive, I couldn't be with her. But she hadn't survived. I couldn't even go to her funeral. Doc, I'm here for my psychiatric review. Yes, hello, Frank. Good to see you. Now it、uh, says here you、uh, went on leave recently, back to Vicksburg. How are your folks? They're fine, sir. Fine. Oh, that's good. <laughs> What an honor, you boys, getting to take your own plane. The Lucky Strike, you call it? Huh, good pun. Smart name. Now I, I understand you'll be heading over to Japan to drop a new kind of bomb. That's a big responsibility, Frank. How do you feel about all this? Just like I always have, sir. Fine.、Mm. Eating well? Better than ever. Sleeping well? 
As well as I can in this humidity. Hmm. I got used to Utah, I'm afraid. <laughs> I'm lying to him. I've hardly slept since that dream. I'm afraid of sleep. Can't he see that? And let me ask you, how do you feel about being part of the crew chosen to make the first strike? Well, it was the right choice, I reckon. We're the, be the best crew left. Do you feel sorry about Tibbet's crew accident? Yes, sir, I do. You better believe it. He opens the door for me after the intensive interview, if you could call it that. I sat through several jokes, and now he's done with me. I walk out into the hot sun and light up a cigarette. I turn around and wave goodbye to him. He smiles back with a toothy grin and a friendly wave. Ounce brain. Why couldn't he have seen? Because it's painfully easy to fool someone when you want to, that's why. God, the sun's hot today. Like it's going to touch down to the ground and melt us all. I don't want to do this. I quit. I could go up to the men right now and say it if I wanted to. I could get out right now. Coward. Can't handle it. I don't understand. God, he was so good and, and so cool, level-headed, you know? What would make a man like that go yellow? He's a filthy coward. Glad he's gone. No. I won't give him the benefit of calling me a coward. I got too much contempt for the lot of them. I forget the idea and stubbornly banish the whole damn thought. Easier to go along with it. You got your gear? Yeah, of course I got my gear, Mom. <laughs> what about you? These goggles, they're something else. It's odd the way you notice everyday motions differently, like getting dressed when you're off to demolish a city. Parachute harness, first aid kit, survival vest, and coveralls. I am set to go. Yeah, but you forgot to tie your shoes. Huh? Ha! <laughs> Made you look. You son of a... Hey, come on, Professor. Big day's here. I'm in. Hey, get moving. Colonel Wood, runway. Runway able. Ah, oh, got it. Look at that crowd, would you? Just like the movies, all waiting to take our pictures, make us famous. <laughs> this is better than a Hollywood premiere. Yeah, says you. Oh. Come on, then. Stick by me. Can we get a word? Boys, right boys, how do you feel? Hey, who's the youngest one of the Colonel, can you tell our readers how to feel at this moment? All right, easy now. Colonel, Colonel, can you tell us what you're doing? Is there anything Let in particular you'd like to with Captain Jim Fitch? Say, any of you guys from Illinois? So, Captain, how's it feel to be tough, though? How do you think it'll feel when you drop the bomb? 